Why I'm Not Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox, Part 5.4, Prima Scriptura and the Early Fathers. This is going to be the last installment of this Part 5 exploration of the Early Fathers and what they have to say about Scripture. Um, I, there's more interesting things um, that I, I, could, I could quote from, from them and even more modern um, Roman Catholics or Eastern Orthodox which say uh, interesting things about Scripture, but um, I'm not going to go into those. We're just going to go over uh, Theodoret, uh, Augustine, and Thomas Aquinas. So we're going to move forward to the uh, high Middle Ages and, and look at Aquinas because Aquinas is a giant in the West and I am a son of the Western Church and her patrimony. So it's worth uh, noting a few of the things that he has to say. So uh, Theodoret of uh, Cyrus, he... Um, has this dialogue, and in it there's these fictional characters that are discussing just different heresies, and the one who is a proponent of orthodoxy is named Orthodo Orthodoxos, Orthodoxos, and he makes a statement, Do not, I beg you, bring in human reason. I shall yield to Scripture alone. Again, pitching the battle uh, in Scripture. Augustine in one of his letters, he says, I have learned to yield this respect and honor only to the canonical books of Scripture. Of these alone do I most firmly believe that the authors were completely free from error. And if in these writings I am perplexed by anything which appears to me opposed to truth, I do not hesitate to suppose that either the manuscript is faulty or the translator has not caught the meaning of what was said or I myself have failed to understand it. Um, so, there's certainly, you know, manuscript transmission and, and scribes, and there's certainly errors, and, uh, you know, you can look up the, the problems inherent in kind of uh, uh, critical reception and things like that. Daniel Wallace is good on that, uh, and so is James White. Um, but he also pits the problem in himself, not understanding it as well. Um, he says, as to all other writings and reading them, however great the superiority of the authors to myself in sanctity and learning, I do not accept their teaching as true on the mere ground of the opinion being held by them, but only because they have succeeded in convincing my judgment of its truth, either by means of these canonical writings themselves or by arguments addressed to my reason. So again, there's an appeal to the scriptures as, as an authority, and he doesn't give other people the same kind of authority uh, as the scriptures, um, but he can be convinced through their argumentation or, or arguments through reason, and I would assume that this might be lesser issues, um, but I'm not totally sure what he, what he means by that. But what's of importance to us is that he's not appealing to, well, the Pope said it, <laughs> or uh, this, is, this is something uh, part of Big T tradition. Again, pitching the battle in Scripture. Uh, in the same letter, he says, Better far that I should read with certainty and persuasion of its truth the Holy Scripture placed on the highest, even the heavenly pinnacle of authority, and should without questioning the trustworthiness of its statements. So these letters are written to Jerome, and he's talking about the trustworthiness of uh, Scripture, specifically when it tells us about Peter's denial of the gospel, and Paul has to rebuke him, um, which is interesting because it's, it's an apostle who had to be corrected. Uh, 
But Augustine affirms that the canonical scriptures have higher authority for him than all other writings. And he even affirms that scripture is placed at the pinnacle of authority. Um, not on a level playing field, not as part of a larger tradition, uh, not with the same authority as the successors of the apostles, but at the pinnacle of authority and not at the expense of lesser authority. So it's not scripture in a vacuum either. Uh, Augustine is known for conveying the idea of rightly ordered love. And this is him conveying the idea of rightly ordered authorities. He says something similar in another letter. For the reasonings of any men whatsoever, even though they be Catholics and of high reputation, are not to be treated by us in the same way as the canonical scriptures are treated. We are at liberty, without doing any violence to the respect which these men deserve, to condemn and reject anything in their writings, if perchance we shall find that they have entertained opinions differing from that which others or we ourselves have, by the divine help, discovered to be the truth." I deal thus with the writings of others, and I wish my intelligent readers to deal thus with mine. So Augustine is preserving the, the honor due to godly men who are writing about scripture, but that they might be mistaken in their teachings. He goes on to say that his writings should be judged um, as a lesser authority, that people reading his writings should have an eye towards the authority of scripture similarly. All right, so moving on to Thomas Aquinas in his... Uh, uh, questions uh, disputing uh, truth or on truth. Um, he says, all the, all the intermediaries through which faith comes to us are above suspicion. We believe the prophets and apostles because the Lord has been their witness by performing miracles, as Mark 16, 20 says, and confirming the word with signs that followed. And we believe the successors of the apostles and prophets only insofar as they tell us those things which the apostles and prophets have left in their writings. So Aquinas says that we only believe the successors of the apostles and prophets only insofar as they tell us those things that were left in their writings, which are the scriptures. I, I don't know how this is not a prima scriptura argument. It's, uh, it's even, even in the high middle ages, he's giving due deference to the rightly ordered authority of scripture. Uh, in another place, this is in his, uh, at the beginning of his Summa Theologica, he says, although the arguments from authority based on human reason is the weakest, yet the argument from authority based on divine revelation is the strongest. So he, he makes this rightly ordered uh, approach to um, arguments. But sacred, doctrine, but sacred doctrine makes use even of human reason. So even within sacred doctrine, it's, it's reasonable. It's, a, it's appropriating human reason and it perfects human reason, which I think he goes on to say. Not indeed to prove faith, for thereby the merit of faith would come to an end, but to make clear other things that are put forward in this doctrine, since therefore grace does not destroy nature but perfects it. Natural reason should minister to faith as the natural bent of the will ministers to charity. Hence the apostle says, bringing into captivity every understanding unto the obedience of Christ. Hence, sacred doctrine makes use also of the authority of philosophers in those questions in which they were able to know the truth by natural reason. As Paul quotes a saying of Eratus, as some also of your own poets said, for we are also his offspring, appealing to his uh, preaching to the philosophers in Athens. 
Nevertheless, sacred doctrine makes use of these authorities as extrinsic, as extrinsic and probable arguments, but properly uses the authority of the canonical scriptures as an incontrovertible proof and the authority of the doctors of the church as one that may properly be used, yet merely as probable. For our faith rests upon the revelation made to the apostles and prophets who wrote the canonical books, and not on the revelations, if any such there are, made to other doctors. Hence, Augustine says, and I, I wasn't able to find this letter, but he quotes Augustine. It's the uh, letter to Huron, uh, letter 19, uh, section 1. But when I looked up letter 19, it was a different letter, so I'm not sure. But he says, so he quotes Augustine in support of his argument. Only those books of scripture, scripture which are called canonical have I learned to hold in such honor as to believe their authors have not erred in any way in writing them. But other authors I so read as not to deem everything in their works to be true merely on account of their having so thought and written, whatever may have been their holiness and learning. And so it's a similar thing that he was saying to Jerome, although he appears to be saying it to somebody else. So Augustine is repeating the same thing to, to others as well. So again, Aquinas is making this strong appeal to scriptural authority as the standard by which we judge all other authorities. Uh, again, in his commentary in John, he says this, Now John states that his gospel is true, and he speaks in the person of the entire church which received it. My mouth will utter truth. We should, not, we should note that although many have written about Catholic truth, there is a difference among them. Those who wrote the canonical scriptures, such as the evangelists and apostles and the, alike, and the like, so constantly and firmly affirm this truth that it cannot be doubted. Thus John says, We know that his testimony is true. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed. The reason for this is that only the canonical scriptures are the standard of faith. <laughs> Again, I mean, he's making this exclusive. I mean, in all of these passages, it's only, alone. I mean, it's there. I, I, I'm sure that Catholics have somehow harmonized this, but it's pretty strong, pretty strong statements. The others have set forth this truth, but in such a way that they do not want to be believed, except in those things in which they say what is true. Again, truth is objective. Objective, uh, There's an objective nature to truth, and the scriptures are infallibly relaying truth. And so everything has to be filtered through that. And then in his Summa Contra Gentiles, chapter 9, he says, The sole way to overcome an adversary of the divine truth is from the authority of Scripture, an authority divinely confirmed by miracles. For that which is above the human reason, we believe only because God has revealed it. And in this chapter, he's talking about two kinds of truths, truths that can be arrived at by human reasoning and truths that come from faith, and that you know, faith perfects reason but that we believe these things of faith because God has revealed it, which is really not, it's somewhat opposed to kind of the standard, um, at least the popular apologetic, that the, the church decided what was true. The church decided the, the scriptures. And in one sense, that's true. A, a, a Protestant can say, yes, the, tr the church recognized the truth because God had revealed it. Um, the church wasn't set above scriptures and then deemed which were in and which were out. There is this collective recognition, this immediacy, the sheep hear my voice kind of type thing. 
Michael Kruger's Canon Revisited gives to me a satisfying explanation of the formation of Canon and things like this. And um, so those are uh, just a few more uh, quotes from the early fathers and then from Aquinas. Uh, we'll be moving on to other other topics, probably going into um, the scriptural arguments for apostolic succession and uh, the errors or the um, insufficient um, arguments that I have found insufficient in uh, apostolic authority being this tactile manual ordination. Um, and I'm not saying that it's uh, worthless or you know, we shouldn't strive to kind of be in that. But again, once the scriptures are the standard and you see that men in tactile ordination are deviating, you have to prioritize the law of Christ over uh, men who are in this tactile ordination. Um, and, and I've already talked about a lot of these things in previous uh, videos that uh, Jesus warns, I think it's the same kind of thing. Jesus warns the Jews, do not presume to say to yourself that we have Abraham as our father. You could say the same, he, he, he says, I can raise up from these stones, uh, you know, people who will, or, you know, raise up from these stones, people who will uh, praise God. I mean, there's this thing, there, there's this idea that, uh, that God is not bound by these institutions, which he himself has even established, and that you see that coming into its fullest form in the first century with the Jews who had all of the right historic manual tactile pedigree, and yet they crucified our Lord. So there, there is that principle is, I think, at play in these churches. Um, and I just, I think that the Protestant instinct has rightly uh, received what Jesus taught about these things, the warnings of, 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 uh, I guess the trappings of uh, historical institutional um, corruption and um, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit can transcend these things. And so uh, that's, uh, that's it for uh, Prima, the Prima Scriptura and the, and the Fathers uh, kind of section within this series. And we'll be moving on to other things with the next installments. So uh, have a good day. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Please